Hi there, this is Kent Roundy at USH Med Student. Got uh, the same group as we've had for a little while now. Uh, let's do quick introductions and then talk about the topic at hand. I'm Brandon Trujillo, a fourth year medical student. I'm Natalie Pratt, a fourth year medical student. And I'm Jamin Hemingway, a fourth year medical student. All right, so uh, Brandon, you started this topic with the idea that as a as a medical student that plans on going into family practice, you're aware of the amount of depression that you treat and you were hoping to have kind of a, a little bit more complete sense of how you might tackle that once you're starting that career. Yeah. Does that sound about right? Yeah, it's, it's very important for family medicine and all of primary care really and I think it's important that we all know as much as we can about it. Yeah, so, so we started off kind of with this huge monster topic and it, it got very difficult. It's turned into a lot of parts, hasn't it? I think so. And so we, we ended up talking about some of the antidepressants that are most used in a previous podcast. And I think I'll try and figure out some way to link these together in a group so that they're viewed as part of one kind of approach. Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about um, the SSRIs, the SNRIs, and some oddballs that don't really seem to fit anywhere. Mm -hmm. And today we're going to talk about tricyclics. So big picture, what is it that people, when they're preparing for the shelf exam and their board exam, what is it that people need to know? What principles are really important that help them be ready to take, to take that test? Concerning tricyclics? Concerning tricyclics. Uh, primarily the side effects. Mm -hmm. um, but also it has some indications of use and they can be somewhat versatile medications, but you have to use them kind of carefully because of their side effect profiles. I, re I read for a long time in my early career about narrow therapeutic windows. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I didn't really understand what that meant. Does that, is that something that makes sense to you guys? Yeah. Tell, tell me how you understand that. So a narrow, a narrow therapeutic window. So you have a, a dosage or a, a dosage range that works for therapeutic reasons will help somebody get better, solve some problem. And then you have a, another above a certain dosage range will start to cause problems, right? And so drugs with a narrow therapeutic window is those two ranges are very close to each other as opposed to being more spread out. And so that makes it much easier to overdose or go into doses that are uncomfortable or if somebody makes a mistake and takes too much at once then they might find themselves in more trouble than if other medications didn't have the same uh, feature of being of having a small therapeutic index. Did I do, describe that alright? That sounds much better than how I would have <laughs> described it. I'm so glad I, I didn't try and say anything about it. Um, when I started training the something I heard that stuck with me is that two weeks of tricyclics are enough to kill anybody. I don't know how accurate that is, and and I I think that um, that was one of the reasons why psychiatrists prim primarily took care of depression long ago, but I think family practice and internal medicine physicians, OBGYN physicians, lots of people now take care of depression. It's not something that is done just by psychiatrists. Mm -hmm. I think that's because the narrow therapeutic index of the TCAs has been replaced by SSRIs, SNRIs, and a couple of other medications that seem to be used much more easily. More safe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what it seems like. So, 
across the board, most of the TCAs share a lot of side effects. I, I was trying to think, well, I, I know that a lot of the TCAs are related, right? For mm -hmm. example, uh, nortriptyline and amitriptyline are related. Amitriptyline breaks down into nortriptyline in the body and some other metabolites. Mm -hmm. uh, imipramine and desipramine are related in a similar fashion. Imipramine breaks down into desipramine. And so I was trying to figure out, you know, are, are all of these medications closely related? And it's interesting, it turns out they are on some level. And that is that this tricyclic three ring um, foundation of the tricyclics was actually first found in, uh, I want to say, compazine. And then it was later used in thorazine, if I remember right. I probably have this wrong now. But these, these tricyclics um, are actually very closely related to our early antipsychotic medications as well. And that's going to show up a little bit in some of the things we talk about later, I think. Mm -hmm. So tricyclics describes the physical structure of the, the physical structure of these on a general level. And then it, I think uh, sometimes if you're listening closely, you'll hear primary amine, secondary amine. And I think that speaks again to the idea of the liver has modified this molecule and turned it into a new molecule. And uh, much like we saw when we described risperidone being changed into paliperidone, you know, these, these molecules that were used 30 and 40 years ago more uh, commonly than they are now had similarities. The, the processes that we're using now are not as maybe as new as I think they are. Mm -hmm. In some of our research we found that some of the tricyclics, some of the ones that are applicable, you know, secondary amines and tertiary amines and yeah, so I have a chemistry background, and I was really curious to know what secondary amine meant. Um, amine referring to the nitrogen mm -hmm. compound found in these molecules. Secondary just means it attaches to two carbons, and tertiary just means the nitrogen attaches to three carbons. That's really the only difference. Interesting, so. and that's done in the liver, I assume. That's why there's yeah. a difference between uh, imipramine and desipramine. One is a secondary amine and one's a tertiary amine? Yeah, so desipramine secondary and imipramine's tertiary. Mm -hmm. And same goes with nor and amitriptyline. Nor is secondary and amitriptyline's tertiary. Okay, good to understand. I'm glad we have a chemistry major here. That's, that's actually <laughs> really, really nice. I forgot it all though. What a shame. But <laughs> it comes back quickly though. Yeah, right? it does. I have my doubts about that. Alright, so the side effects. Uh -huh. So the secondary amines and the tertiary amines have kind of a different side effect profile despite that there's a lot of overlap. Um, so tricyclics in general work kind of similarly to SNRIs from how I understand it as they sort of inhibit the reuptake of serotonin and norepinephrine. But for the secondary amines, they... Um, they are they kind of prioritize blocking the norepinephrine reuptake, and so you get a lot less of the cholinergic effects. And that the tertiary amines, they are more effective at blocking the serotonin uptake as opposed to the norepinephrine uptake, and so you get more of those anticholinergic effects. And so you can get, and so some of these are you know contraindicated in elderly patients because of that reason. And um, my understanding was that. Across the board, these are not great medications for elderly populations. Uh -huh, but e even though there is some differences between the tertiary and the secondary amine molecules, tell me tell me what that distinction is uh, that makes one group maybe better for elderly populations. Uh, for whatever reason, the secondary uh, 
the secondary the secondary amines seem to have less of an anticholinergic effect on the patients that are, they're given to and that anticholinergic effect you know hot as a hair dry as a bone that you've heard from sketchy other places can <laughs> cause some real issues um all right so <laughs> let, let's let's like make this like very concrete then so when you talk about those anticholinergic effects and and those are those do seem to be some of the major problems in addition to the cardiac conduction problems right there's a is it a QT change or is it something else? Uh, I don't recall. It's a lengthened QT. Mm-hmm. So it can lead to torsades. A, right? a widened QRS complex as well. Okay. So, so, so it's yeah. both though, right? Yeah, it's okay. both. Take yeah. home message concerning for the heart, right, where we don't have that same kind of concern with the SSRIs, the SNRIs, and um, in terms of conduction, right, we don't have those same kinds of concerns with those medications. And then when the practical application of uh, dry as a bone, what is it, red as a beet? Yeah, hot <laughs> as a hair. <laughs> as a hair. Right, so tell me the specific side effects. You had those listed in, in something that you had, and let's just read those out. Well, let's see, the side effects of the TCAs generally as a class. Um, they are increased appetite, weight gain, sedation, orthostatic hypotension, uh, cardiac arrhythmias, dry mouth, constipation, blurred vision, urinary retention. So, they're pretty uh, mean side effects. <laughs> yeah, very, very difficult to tolerate. So let's talk about this, these uh, medications um, maybe in a more specifically. Let's start with amitriptyline, which seems to be the medication that I still see most or, or saw most as I came into my practice, and I, I, I just don't see that nearly as much at this point. Amitriptyline is which? Is that the tertiary or secondary? Tertiary? tertiary? Tertiary. Tertiary amine. It has more serotonergic effect than noradrenergic, but it is broken down into nortriptyline. It's not the only molecule that it's broken down into. There are some other molecules. I ended up looking at the pharmacology of that when I was looking at the PI in preparation for this. And uh, so over time, it has a fair mix of nortriptyline and amitriptyline in, in the system, and I, I suspect that you have a fairly robust SNRI, so to speak. Yeah. Um, in some of my readings, it seemed that these were more effective at treating major depressive disorder than some of the SSRIs or SNRIs, and so it begs the obvious question of why don't we just use these first, right? Um, yes, it does. Back to the side effects, they're a lot more dangerous. And that, that narrow therapeutic window, right? Right. Just, just like you described, you're very quickly into the side effects and very quickly into a dangerous dangerous side effects mm-hmm. with, uh, with the higher dose. Um, I think the, the take-home point of amitriptyline and its metabolite nortriptyline is simply that be careful in geriatric populations, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's probably the most important take-home point. And if you remember the, what does it be, hot as a hair, and so forth, you'll do a pretty good job of knowing those side effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, BPH also, right, it will cause some uh, obstruction. Mm-hmm. Some urinary retention. Yeah. Right. Interestingly enough, one of the m- most affected people I ever saw on my medicine rotation was somebody that was obstructed and wasn't able to urinate. And uh, that's that really does have some pretty impressive effects on cognition in the mind, much like a UTI does. And, and uh, I've always been impressed by that connection that I don't understand. Maybe that will be a topic for somebody else in the future. 
Um, let's see, the next pair is uh, imipramine and nortriptyline. Let's see, nortriptyline. Nope, I'm sorry, I have those wrong. I, I did that totally incorrectly. Amitriptyline and nortriptyline are the two that I should have paired together. Imipramine and desipramine are the next two we'll pair together. And imipramine is the tertiary amine. And desipramine is the secondary amine. Does that sound right? We've got our chemist working on this. Desipamine is secondary, and epamine is tertiary. Very good. So I think the only thing that's really important to know about uh, imipramine and desipramine that we didn't already know is that imipramine has an additional indication for treatment beyond depression. Any of you guys know what that is? Enuresis. Enuresis. So very, very good. Bedwetting. Yeah. So that one in, in uh, questions of pediatric context. Sometimes they'll ask about how to control uh, frequent bedwetting and beyond you know, behavioral therapy or reward systems. If they still can't, if children still can't get it under control, it for me might be. I'm not aware of any data that actually says behavioral systems work. Well, that's, that, a, that's what they seem to teach us. Would you agree, Jamin? I, always see it's like I think the that's first the first line, line answer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's getting to go to the bathroom right at the beginning. And yeah. There's some really fancy sheets that if they... Bedwetting alarms. If, yeah, if they see any mm -hmm. fluid, they'll wake them up. Mm-hmm. Or rewards. If they keep a dr bed dry through the night, then they get rewarded the next day. Stuff like that is what we're taught. Yeah, okay. Um, let's see. What's next on the list here? We've got uh, amoxapine. Right. And we were talking about that this morning, that loxapine, the uh, typical antipsychotic, is broken down into amoxapine. I don't remember looking up anything about amoxapine. Nothing special, I guess. <laughs> Just that it's there. It's Another. in the glass. <laughs> it's, it's one of the tricyclics. Okay. Um, next on the list would be... Uh, well, let's add two more to the list of I don't remember anything special. <laughs> uh, how about trimipramine, trimipramine and protriptyline? So I even had a difficult time finding package inserts for these medications. I couldn't even find it for protriptyline. So. Uh, yeah, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't find package inserts. Um, what I did notice of all of the medications that we've talked about up to this point, quite often those, those FDA package inserts had been updated to include the labeling the boxed warning about uh, suicidal ideation and emergence of suicidal ideation with treatment of antidepressants. Right? I saw that, but I also saw some unusual language in the packaging, which was that these medications may help more with, I think they used the phrase endogenous or atypical depression. And so there were some descriptions of depression in the past that this labeling still, spill, still speaks to that hasn't really carried forward the same way. And I. To be honest, I'm not entirely sure how I should approach that and, and maybe something that I need to you know, change the gap of the knowledge gap that I have. Um, the one other medication that I thought, I, well actually the only thing that I thought was really interesting on, on those as I looked for those was that uh, Wikipedia actually has a really great protriptyline page that actually has on the, the side of it, on the side of the page, it has this very complete um, listing of binding affinities. So KI values, even with the description that the lower the KI, the more tightly it's bound, which I was, I was very impressed by that. So I thought I would uh, go wiki, right? <laughs> nice. And that's a little bit standardized on Wikipedia. 
you look up most medications and it will have that chart at the bottom right. Very cool, very good to know. I've always been uncertain how, how uh, to treat that, but I noticed that it was referenced, so footnotes available for, for that when it's in there, I think is worth following up on. The last medication was doxepin. Um, also had the indication for depression, but it had a second indication as well. So psychotic depression. Right. right, so we, we sometimes, we've talked about depression in the past and there's a mnemonic. Anybody remember that mnemonic? Siggy oh, Caps. Siggy Caps, and what does that stand for? <laughs> Sleep, interest, guilt, energy, concentration, appetite, psychomotor slowing, and suicide. And with two of those symptoms, it can be either more or less, right? right. And that's appetite changes. and sleep. Excellent. Changes in appetite and sleep can go either more or less, whereas the others have a pretty clear direction, right? Mm -hmm. There's also, um, in the DSM, there are often specifiers. So you might have somebody who has major depressive disorder um, with seasonal component, sort of like um, seasonal affective disorder, or you might have somebody that has major depressive disorder with psychotic features. <coughs> and so somebody that has major depressive disorder with psychotic features, this would be uh, the correct medication choice, doxepin. Now, interestingly enough, doxepin also, we talked about this with Wellbutrin slash Zyban, which is bupropione, right? There were two separate package inserts available for those medications. The two never crossed paths. <laughs> and the, the same is the case with doxepin. Doxepin, more recently, there was a company that felt compelled to use doxepin as a sleep aid, so they did the, the studies to see how it, how it helped people fall asleep. And uh, they, so they took a generic medication, rebranded it, put it in different dosing sizes, sort of like we talked about with uh, Contrave in, uh, in a previous podcast, and uh, were able to sell that at a much higher price than the generic doxepin. <laughs> so there are two package inserts that exist for doc doxepin, one for the sleeping uh, medication, or the sedating medication, sleep aid, not sure of the right way to say that, and one for the antidepressant, which I think is called Sinequan. All right, so we're, we're actually at 18 minutes. This is uh, the kind of time that we're shooting for. If you listen at 2.0 speed, how long is that, Jamin? It should be just about 10 minutes, just over, right? Perfect, so uh, <laughs> pearls, takeaway pearls for tricyclic antidepressants. Mm. Low therapeutic index. Narrow therapeutic index. Narrow therapeutic index. Side Other effects. <laughs> side effects, and if we remember the anticholinergic side effects, we're going to get most of those, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Other than the... Alpha-1 and H1 are the other two receptors that you can work backwards and figure out. Right. Okay. And what else? Mm. Um, some of the indications, I guess. Maybe in uresis with... I, I guess we kind of forgot to talk about... Uh, Nerve pain. Yeah, that's the, the last big one we missed. Uh -huh. I don't think I saw nerve pain as an indication on any of those, even though we they're commonly used for nerve pain, aren't they? So I, I was actually looking for that indication in the package inserts, and I didn't find that. Interesting. Yeah, although that is a correct answer quite often, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you have a choice between um, uh, any of the SSRIs, and a TCA that's associated with treatment of nerve pain, like amitriptyline, I believe is one that is, correct? Uh -huh. um, then the answer would be amitriptyline. If you had a choice between amitriptyline and uh, duloxetine, duloxetine I think the answer, the best answer would probably be duloxetine. Yeah. 
That's not a fair question, though, I don't think. No, you wouldn't see that. <laughs> I don't think so. Other other takeaways, other highlights? Uh, I think we covered the big stuff. Would you say that? I so, think so. Uh, I guess the only big thing we didn't cover is sodium bicarb is the treatment for overdose. Oh. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I didn't, didn't know that, that either. Yeah, so <laughs> that'll, that'll improve <laughs> that part of the Genius. There you go. There you go. Um, so just back to the nerve pain. Uh, if you do see the question on a test, which of the uh, TCAs would be an appropriate answer for uh, neuropathic pain? Amitriptyline, I guess. Amitriptyline. You know that that also reminds me. Um, let's suppose that you. Ha I, I know that there's one facial nerve pain. What's that? Uh, my my um, siblings treat quite often. Um, do you remember what that is? Trigeminal neuralgia. Trigeminal neuralgia, and what's the treatment for that? I thought it was carbamazepine. Correct. Carbamazepine, and guess what carbamazepine is? Is that a tricyclic? It is a tricyclic. Mm -hmm. Very good guess. <laughs> you, you are very, I just threw that out there. <laughs> you are very good at reading my mind, Natalie. So interesting stuff, the way these molecules seem to kind of have some common overlaps, some you know, common concerns, and uh, uh, a very fascinating group of medications that we don't use very much before, but as you mentioned, seem to be fairly potent. So. Thanks again. Very good, uh, very good podcast. We're probably going to do one in the next couple of days that is going to be much shorter and will be focused on the MAOIs. MAOIs. So uh, on that note, thank you very much and team out. Team, team out. out.